Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I'm your guy, Dr. Law. I got Kid Presentable here. Hey, how's it going? And I got my boy, Lavender Gooms, here. What's up, guys? Uh, uh, our boy, DJ Mark, uh, out on assignment this week. Um, he'll be back next week um, where, you know, we'll join, he'll join us next week to talk about the results of this UFC card because I know Mark's just raring to talk about Yancey Medeiros and Cowboy Cerrone. That's actually not fair. That's a good fight. Insert bad. Hey, I mean, we were there. just talking about the card. We're coming off of arguably the worst pay-per-view event ever. This is a good card coming up on the Fox Sports One. This is a quality Fox Sports One card. Yeah, quite frankly, I wish they combined the two events. Maybe the one after this too. Make one really good card. That's a novel idea, wouldn't you say? Um. All right, guys. Um, we're gonna talk about UFC 221. Uh, the fact that we don't have a middleweight interim champion, but whatever. Who gives a fuck? Um, talk about some of the other fights, the real youth movement, quite frankly, the rest of the fights. Um, we can talk about the fact that cheating always pays in MMA. In this case, literally paid. Um, we're going to also, uh, we're going to preview this, uh, this Bellator fight between Mitrione and, uh, Big Country in that heavyweight tournament. And then we'll talk about this UFC card coming to you, I believe, from Austin, right? Someone tell me. Uh, yeah, Austin. Yeah, one of the few places in the country worth living that isn't the Bay Area or New York City. Sorry to all of you who don't live in one of the places I'm talking about. By the way, I'm just learning Washington State has no income tax. I like Seattle. It's a nice place. Just putting that out there. They likely have very high property taxes. To no, you know what they have? They have a they have a 37% weed tax. <laughs> That's how they're paying Jesus. for stuff. <laughs> um. All right, boys. Uh, Yoel Romero, Luke Rockhold went out there, fought for about three rounds, and then the fight ended. We all know when Yoel Romero's in a fight that goes three rounds, um, that's when he gets his superpowers. Um, Steph, uh, what do we see from the Soldier of God and uh, Luke, still known as name Rockhold? Um, in the first round, we didn't see much. Uh, I feel like Yoel in the first round, Yoel Romero threw maybe three or four strikes, mm -hmm. mostly big overhand whiffs. Um, but at the same time, we, we saw Luke Rockhold pick him apart with leg kicks, but um, he never got comfortable with his hands, I noticed. Um, he would kind of pepper out a jab, but you could tell Luke Rockhold was really, really respecting the power of Yoel. I don't want to say he was scared, because I don't think Luke Rockhold's ever scared, but um, he was definitely tentative with his striking. You know, he didn't want to put too much together. He Again, he was peppering him with a lot of leg kicks. Um, and then into the second round, we saw uh, Yoel exploded with a flurry in the first round one that we don't really see from a guy like this. Um, you know, he, he's, he's athletic, he's sudden, he has big power shots, but um, you know, if uh, DJ Mark were here, he would break it down is he kind of flurried in and he threw a lot of medium strikes, you know, not the type that are big windups, you know, you're gassed after. Uh, and that ended up being perfect because like two or three of those medium strikes, I believe there was like a left hook and a little right uppercut in there. They got through. Um, and if Luke Rockhold was tentative to throw hands in that first round, he definitely didn't want to in the second round. Um, 
he he just really kept trying to keep distance with the jab. He was still, still throwing those leg kicks in there, but of course, um, Yolo got a couple good checks in there. You saw uh, Luke's leg actually bleeding as a result of one of the check kicks, um, and then it came in the in the third round. Is there was another sudden flurry, and if I I want I can't remember if it was a left or a right, but it just blasted Luke Rockhold on the temple. It like he was caught by the fence. He bounced off of it, and then just a ground and pound uppercut like. It reminded it me of a uh, Robbie Lawler. Point. Yeah, Robbie. Remember Robbie Lawler Manhoff, where he hit Rob Manhoff with like that overhand. Finally, and then Manhoff was just sitting there, on like kind yeah. of unconscious, and he got hit with an uppercut. That's what it's, this was. The ground strike wasn't needed. When we got the replay on it, you look at uh, Luke's face. He his eyes are just to the side, out the cage. He is seeing stars. Um, and yeah, Yoel. Uh, we saw in the post fight, he kind of collapsed. Um, those leg kicks did something. Um, yeah, it, it looks like he didn't break it necessarily. They're thinking maybe just a shin bruise, not rather I than guess, a broken you know, leg. Um, whether the you know, I don't know if the maybe the adrenaline dumped immediately. Maybe it was him jumping onto the cage. Um, but if you didn't see it, Mike, by the end, Yoel was giving his uh, post fight speech sitting on the mat. He could mm -hmm. not stand. He had to be like Jesus. carried out by like by the arms by his corner man. Like he could not walk, but. Oh, he blasted Luke Rockhold. And to add insult to injury, I, Bobby was pretty adamant about this, and I kind of agree. I don't know why the commission didn't do more, because as soon as Rockhold got knocked out, like, and he was, like, trying to stand up against the fence, Yoel got all up in his face, like, hugged him against the fence, kissed him, like, two to three times. And, you know, the Rockhold's got this look on the face, like, get the fuck out of my face. Yeah, he also just, he just got knocked, knocked out. out. Like, he might not know where he is. Like, he might, he's trying to gather himself. I mean, we're going to talk some more about the clown shoes operation they're running in Australia. Um, but, yeah, that was this Australia or New Zealand? Actually, I don't oh, want to be correct. This one was Australia. This is Australia. Australia. Yeah, it's just they were, they were running a real, like, we're going to talk about more in the Lijing Lang fight, the truly joke of an operation they were running. That, in, that was the one where uh, an eye gouge happened, right? Not that just guy AI gouge, Mike. The most heinous, uh, like obvious, definitely a, like this was a pr not premeditated, but you know. He yeah, knew I got. Was not yeah, I, 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 I got. I got some pretty strong feelings about that when we got to that fight. That was that was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, uh, Luke went out there, got knocked out, and then yeah, man, he doesn't like. Come on, man, he got knocked out. I think everybody needs to like. It's like. We, you're supposed to protect these guys. And, like, we don't know. I mean, these guys had a content. I mean, Yoel seems like a good enough guy, I guess. But, like, it didn't look like he was trying. But, I don't know, man. Luke doesn't know where he is. He got knocked out. For all he knows, like, you'll remember the last 10 seconds of getting knocked out sometimes. It's it's kind of scary. And all of a sudden, this giant Cuban dude is just yelling there's, shit in your face, happy or not. There are some fighters that say that after they get knocked out, they don't even remember the fight. Yeah, this happens sometimes. So, like, yeah, he got blasted, too. So, like, come on. Let's just get this shit together. Um, if you didn't hear, Luke Rock, I mean, uh, Yoel Romero missed weight by, like, three pounds. But, again, whatever. Um, when, um, kind of fine. I mean, I, feel, I felt like that was a uh, karmic comeuppance here. Is This was just a number one contender fight. The interim title thing is just this nonsense to allow them to make it a pay-per-view. And the whole missed weight thing is... I think that's why no one's super mad at Yoel. Is I mean, it, it was the first just, time. It too. is what it was. It was a number one contender match. And what do we have from this? A number one contender. Yeah, I mean, he missed. This is the first time he missed weight. Also, is I mean, granted, Yoel's been busted, breaking every other rule. But also, like, 
I was, I mean, when you guys were still at my place, I was making the case, honestly, they should give it to Jacare. Then I looked up because I'd totally forgotten that Bobby Knuckles, I put Jacare away in like six minutes. And that was like two fights ago. So, yeah. Yoel Romero is your number one contender. And they, and they, then, the uh, UFC confirmed it so much. Jacare as well? Yeah, but that was like, you know, two years ago, three years ago. That was, but that was, uh, I, I mean, didn't think he Yoel think is he who that. Bobby won for the interim title the first time which eventually just became the undisputed title instead of it being a vacant title. It's all messy, but they'll run it back. We're, we're, we're so close to some middleweight, like, you know, clearing shit up. Let's just let Bobby Knuckles and, you know, uh, Yoel run it back one more time. We'll we'll get sorted out in this division finally. What what we need is that the Yoel, the Yoel Whitaker fight gets booked, and at the last minute, Yoel gets hurt. And then, uh, as Bobby put it in the group chat the other day, yes, here it comes. A, cr- a cross-eyed Brit just swoops in, hits him <laughs> with the old left-hand Larry, and boom, he's the middleweight champion again. Oh yes, and then you know what? He's gonna fight Hendo again. He's, he wants Hendo. He wants Hendo. We're gonna run it back. Rubber match. Um, yeah, Bobby Knuckles had like a bad staff infection. Looks like he's kind of cleared it up and um, should be back uh, soon enough. Luke Rockhold looks like he's talking about going to 205. And I don't know. I mean, look, Bobby Knuckles got knocked out by Stephen Thompson in his last welterweight fight before moving up and hasn't lost since. But Luke Rockhold is getting hit a lot. And I wouldn't I call him. I to say he was chinny before this fight, but I'm kind of willing to say he's a little chinny. I mean, from, from, I what, I saw, from what I saw this fight. It didn't seem like he had a great defensive game plan. I mean, the man was just basically standing right in front of Yoel Romero. See, I think that doesn't seem like a recipe for you know success. See, I'm not sure it's Chinny as much as the man's defense blows. Like, I don't know if anybody stands in front of Yoel Romero. It's gonna go well if you don't block punches. You know what I mean? Like, it's like he put away a lot of guys. Maybe it it's both. I mean, he'll he'll get the he'll get the Chinny. He could be chinny, and he could have bad defense because, again, he got knocked out by Bisping, a guy who does not KO anybody. He got really hurt by Dave Branch, another guy who does not KO anybody. Yes, Yoel does it, but, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, to say. be a lot of evidence. I mean, I, I know, like, a lot of weight cutting will also affect your, like, you know, it's brain, it's water around your brain and stuff, and you don't really rehydrate in 24 hours. It actually takes, like, three or four days, according to most uh, scientists. So maybe it will help him, you know, like, but... If he's gonna go to two hundred five, I need to like, you got to give me like some I, really give me fights. I think at I first. know what this means though. Um, this is a chain reaction type of news right here though. If he's seriously thinking of going up to two hundred five, then that means that Cormier is thinking of just staying at heavyweight, which that also means I don't think we'll ever see Kane again. No man, I think isn't DC gonna retire in a year? DC's old. He might be gone by the time this all happens anyway. You think he's really gonna? I know he said that forty was his end date, but do you think that if he beats, uh, wow, uh, uh, Stipe, do you think if he beats Stipe and he's the champ, do you really think he's gonna just stop fighting? Nah, I think he'll 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 stop when I he th- loses. I think he'll stop until he gets the John. I think he'll stop after he fights John Jones again. That's what I think is the last one for him. Personally, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens. Hell, Luke Rockhold's not fighting for a fucking title the way he's fighting right now. Let's be honest. That's for sure. So, um, we're going to talk about the rest of this card, and I don't want to mistake um, what mine and Stefan, I'm going to say mine and Stefan because Mike missed much of this because he, you know, drew a line in the sand. God bless him. 
Um, I don't want to mischaracterize what me and Stefan are saying when we give praise to these guys who fought. When we say this card isn't worth wasn't worth your money, what we're saying is that they should not be making us pay money to watch these people who are relatively no name fighters. And you know what I mean? That's what I mean. So when we're gonna, I'm gonna, because I'm gonna give credit to a lot of these guys because we had a lot of young guys fight, and um, a lot of them won, and we got some, you know, a lot of in some of these divisions which could use it. But don't be mistaken, nobody should have paid sixty five dollars for this thing, right? I think that's a fair assessment, wouldn't you say, Steph? Ah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think um, you know, a couple of the guys will mention Tai Tuivasa, Tyson Pedro. Um, they're potential stars down the road. But um, they're not something they're not worth the price of admission yet. You know, this wasn't a discounted affair. You know, the thing is, the UFC does not do discounted affairs. It's not price we don't have an acknowledgement up. like this is a special $20 card. You know, yeah, like you said, prices have gone up in general lately because, I mean, it, it's kind of a sh sad thing in the sport. We're always talking about the uh, ledger that needs to be balanced by the new ownership. So, But, yeah, it, it was something for the local crowd, but... Again, we we're getting a Fox Sports 1 card, which top to bottom just looks remarkably better in terms of name value, um, and that's free. So, Yeah, again, I enjoyed watching the main card. Um, there was times during, I guess, Curtis Blades laying on top of Mark Hunt that I was like, all right, this isn't terribly full of action, but fuck. The man got hit with a nuclear missile. Um, but again, we shouldn't have had to pay for this. Mark Hunt and uh, Curtis Blades. Um, I'm somewhere between giving Curtis Blades a lot of credit here. And thinking Mark Hunt's old, I'm gonna try to. I know Mark, we kind of know Mark Hunt's old. He's been old for a while. But I'm, Steph, I want to give credit to uh, Curtis Razor Blades here. Besides his excellent name, uh, dude, I think is 26 right now years old. Uh, fighting at heavyweight, yeah, he's 26. He turns 27 um, next uh, next Sunday. Um, he's got one UFC loss. Um, he should be on a five fight winning streak because I'm not counting a drug test failure for weed as a no contest. His only loss is Francis Ngannou and he didn't get knocked out by Francis Ngannou. Um, he got beat up for two rounds and it was his UFC debut, but a doctor stopped that shit. So, um, yeah, I mean, we had an interesting rematch coming in. Like I said, you know, I was kind of giving him grief because I was just, you know, we're Mark Hunt homers over here. But uh, 26 at heavyweight, that is a unicorn in itself. That is yeah, a uh, once-in-a-lifetime sighting to see a prospect in his 20s at this division. Um, and he's not he, getting as much play because he's not, like, smoking fools, but he's still, he's winning, you know. I mean, the other thing is, he people are mad because he kind of grinded Mark Hunt to a halt, but it wasn't boring. He had good, powerful takedowns. He had vicious elbows on the ground. And more than anything, props for his chin. Uh, Hunt hit him with some shots in that first round. We, uh, I mean, I thought it was going to be a, you know, walk away. Uh, KO called it for Mark Hunt. It, you know, he got real head, honey. But um, props to Curtis Blades. He, he kept his wits about him and he dove under a left hook. Got a takedown in that first round. Might have flipped that first round. You know, per the scorecards, apparently he did. Um, but really, Jesus, I don't like that. But okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think the one gave it twenty nine, twenty seven. Um, but there were yeah. two thirty twenty sixes on this card. Yeah, I mean, it, he's getting wins. I mean, I'd like to see him maybe take on. We're are we? Is Derek Lewis and Martin Tybura? Is that this? We're gonna pick that fight, right? Yeah, I mean, the winner of that's not a bad matchup for him. I know Derek Lewis wants to fight Francis Ngannou um, if he wins. But I think Francis taking some time off makes sense. 
I'd like to see Curtis Blaze versus the winner of this fight. I think that'd be a good fight, quite frankly. I like the matchup. I agree. I Because I, I, I do want them. There's a natural rematch to be had with Curtis Blades and Francis Naganu, but I'd like them to keep each them to keep each other out of each other's paths for a little bit, just because we don't got a lot of other options in this division. Uh, Mark, uh, Mike, um, Ty Tuvasa was the gentleman I threw the article up about. This guy said he's looking for the shortest night possible so he can go to the bar. Um, in our uh, in our group chat earlier, and um, Ty two, it took him two minutes, and the kid unleashed a barrage of elbows and punches, and really looked like a. Good striker for someone as young as he is. Granted, he was fighting a guy who was like a 7-1 to underdog, so let's all, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. Um, my main question for you is, Mike, did you know that there's something called a shoey as a celebration in Australia? You're asking me about Australian culture. Yes, I am. The most I know about Australia is they have a lot of marsupials, mm-hmm. uh, Crocodile Dundee, and there's like two cities worth of damn to go to. Okay, well, here we go. This is what a shoey is. Because I, lear- I learned a little bit about this after this kid did this. Because after the fight, he took a fan's shoe, poured beer in it, and drank the beer out of the shoe. Ah, I did see that on Twitter. That was disgusting. So apparently, that's a thing that you do in Australian sporting events. You do a shoey, which I think if you're going to do that, look, your own shoe, right? Like, come on now. That's you know, I'm just saying. You know, I think I think if you're up to the point that you're drinking a mixture of beer and foot sweat, it doesn't really matter if it's my own or somebody else. Oh it's, man, it's just I, gross. I, I, th- I think you, it matters, I, man. You're just, I think I it matters think. a lot. My Mark uh, Stefan tiebreaker. How much does it matter? <laughs> I'm actually gonna side with Mike on this. At the point of you, I mean, you know yourself worse than others. Your foot might be worse, like. You're sending you that shit back home, though. Barefoot in this stadium all day. You're kicking another man. You got his blood. You got another man's blood on your foot. Maybe this all guy right, who's like, just regular foot sweat. Maybe maybe this it. is a bit too extreme. But let's exclude any type getting any type of venereal diseases or diseases from this. But I'm gonna take it to even more extreme. Oh, Bobby, here we go. You got two piles of human shit. One of them is yours. Are you I'm, telling yourself, well, I'm going to eat my shit because at least it's my shit. No, you, you're going to want to throw up either way. doesn't matter. I think I it say, matters. Uh, to, to make it take it to a less gross note, I kind of mentioned this. Uh, I was traveling in Asia about a month or two ago, and I got a chance to party with Australians. Um, no one parties like Australians. Them, mm-hmm. them folks start pounding Long Island iced teas at 6 p.m., and all drinking games are only with said beverage. Uh, they they go hard when it comes to drinking. Yeah, you, you gotta think about. Well, you gotta think it like this also. Um, if it because you know, like you know, those people who like there's those college towns that aren't near of near fucking anything, and like middle of nowhere, and all those motherfuckers drink way too much because there's yeah. nothing to do. Imagine that, but you're on an island that's like a seven hour flight from anybody. Yeah, Australia <laughs> was like a nine hour flight from Japan. Yeah, I I'm thought, telling I you. I thought it would have been like three hours. No, no, man, that's it's a long fucking flight. It's a prison colony, man. They had to keep them far away from people. Um, <laughs> Jake Matthews, uh, Lee Jinglang. I actually have seen Jake Matthews fight a few times. Yeah, and he's also a really young guy. I think he's 23. He's and he really started good. the UFC. Yeah, when he was 19, he started. Okay, Lee Jinglang straight eye gouged him. He was in a guillotine, and then he eye gouged his way out of the guillotine. And then the referee was just kind of like, hey, man, can you stop doing that, basically? 
Um, I, that should have been the end of the fight. I mean, for we're, anyone we're, do, we're done it, fighting. Look it up. There were two hands. It was not a one-hand eye gouge. There were two hands digging this, into both eyes. This yeah, is the, how serious an eye gouge is. Back in UFC 1, when people were going in there with, like, steel-tipped boots and boxing gloves and, you know, the ring was just a bloody mess all over the place. And I think for the first four fights of the first UFC, someone had to leave in an ambulance. When it was just completely no holds bar, no rules, there were still two rules. Do you know what those two rules were, Steph? No fish hooks and no eye gouges. So even in the first UFC, when it pretty much was human cockfighting, they still didn't allow eye gouges then. I mean, there's a That's famous clip from the eye old eye UFC of a man getting uh, consecutively punched in the dick intentionally for like a good 15 seconds that was against uh was it joe sun is his name turned out to be totally uh you know, the worst person I, ever to fight an mma and a war in, machine in hindsight, that was a uh, <laughs> real karmic justice but just the visual image of a man getting punched in the cup like 15 straight blows yeah it, it was it was a crazy place but yeah i saw someone refer to uh, the eye gouge as uh gordo-esque and uh no i'm, not, I'm not kidding we're we're done fighting if the guy does that, I, I don't care because I was listening to Comedy Event podcast and one guy said, would that be satisfying for the viewing audience? I don't give a fuck this on some level where we have a sport, right? Like on some level, when a motherfucker yeah. starts eye gouging other that we're done fighting. That's the end of the we, fight. The other we, guy won. We have spent we have spent a lot of minutes on this podcast, and other podcasts have spent many minutes talking about that an accidental eye poke should be an automatic point. An accidental eye poke. That's just a that's just a little bam. You got a little finger in your eye. I mean, that's where the meme comes from. Of you know, you get one free cheap shot in MMA. It's this thing that they have to give a warning, but like. You know, the leg kick, the, a lot of the low kicks is because it's a leg kick. It just hits a bad angle. There are intentional fouls. There are things that they're not accidental, that they know what they're doing, but it's an instinctive move, like the uh, Jose Aldo, the, the gratuitous cage grab against Chad Mendez. It's 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 an intentional, <laughs> instinctive thing, but we give a this... warning. We don't immediately take a point away, and that's so weird to me. It's so weird. You have to give a warning before you take a point? No. You can just take the point away because the foul was that egregious. Bobby's talking about stopping it altogether. And I'm like, I just want at least an immediate point. Like, I don't need, we don't need to have a discussion I, about I it. Just, we don't need warnings. Let's just have some type of punitive action. I, he literally used it to get out of a, like a fight ending move. And uh, by the way, your fight of the night, Jake Matthews, Lee Jingling. So he got $50,000. Which, by the way, is if, if I needed further proof that the UFC wasn't paying attention to this card until the main event or co-main event, that was it for me. Nobody was paying attention. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, okay, this guy, I've only, I don't remember. His own, I, I'm going to look at Li Jingling as the guy who, this dude is the eye gouger. That is my perception of this man from now on. Because that's, that's what he did. He straight up cheated. This wasn't like, I don't understand the rules. How many how many fights has this motherfucker had? Like, I think a few. The UFC. 19 fights. 19, he's got a brown belt in jujitsu. He knows a lot better ways of getting out of a guillotine than that one. It was pretty effective, though. Certainly was. That was just, it, that's the type of shit where I'm like, come on, man. We're at UFC 221. This isn't UFC 1. Let's, 
Australia, you want more cards. You know, and, get it. And let's remember, let's remember, even in UFC 1, that's a no-no. Yeah. Um, Steph, how sure were you that Tyson Pedro broke that dude's arm? Because I was um, positive. <laughs> that was beautiful. Uh, yeah, definite shout out to Tyson Pedro. He won via using a Kimura to sweep a guy, completely rolled him over, stepped over, and then that's when uh, it was just, yeah, it was done. Um, we couldn't tell if he tapped, but it, it happened fast. Uh, once once he stepped over, it was instant. Um, beautiful technique. Uh, Tyson Pedro's also really young too, right? I think he had a stumble in the middle there at some point. One of these, He lost a fight somewhere in there, but... What I mean, it? with the exception of uh, their favorite son, Mark Hunt, who's actually from New Zealand, but a uh, Australian resident. Um, Australia had a great night. They had a great He's... night for their young fighters. Tyson Pedro, 26 years old. His only loss is against Elar Latifi, who's made of granite. I mean, that shit just happens. What are you going to do? Um, He's only eight fights in. I like, man, there's some... As much as we shit on these weight classes, we got a couple heavyweights doing stuff that were young. We got a light heavyweight. I'm not saying anybody's going to win a title anytime soon, but... Hell. It's just nice to hear the age 20-something when talking about the light heavyweight or heavyweight divisions. I mean, look, the UFC is fucking this sport up by having 6 million fight cards, but they're managing to do it while having the best talent roster in history. Because among these 500 fighters, there's a lot of serious athletes. And we saw some of them get it done this weekend. Um, Everybody's going all big on Israel Adesanya. Um, that was I was mid-cheeseburger when this guy was fighting, if I'm being honest. Um, but I'm looking at all of his nicknames, the last style bender, style bender, Izzy styles, Shinobi, black dragon, black magic. Um, he's a bit, he's a kickboxer with a lot of fights that I honestly, if I've seen him fight in kickboxing, I don't remember it. He's 12 and 0 in MMA. He straight wrecked Rob Wilkinson. It was kind of a setup for him to do so. Um, dude's a beast. Um, he fought in glory. I should have seen this guy fight. Um, that's another one, man. He's uh, 28. He showed some style out there. It was a he got a fight performance bonus. It was uh, it was good to see him get that W. You know, another young guy. And uh, Juicy A Formiga. It took I don't know how many UFC fights for me to say this guy had a really impressive performance. But my man hit a spitting back forearm basically against our boy Ben Wynn, and uh, then choked him out, and then. Uh, I was really digging it, and then Steph, he had the balls to say, what else do I have to do to get a title shot? The answer is beat anybody in the top seven, right? I thought you were going to say that was the what else. <laughs> do something exciting for once. Uh, I'd, I'd give it to him. If, if if TJ and DJ, if they're trying to lowball Mighty Mouse, and they want to just give him a fight, I, this it's this guy, right? I mean, I guess the, the division's cleaned out, so he's the only guy in that top 10 who really hasn't gotten that shot yet. I, I mean, it's it's just a process of elimination, but yeah, I do I do think the TJ fight's happening, so it may be a minute. You, you, don't, you, don't, think they're gonna, you don't think they're going to punish TJ for refusing the fight on, three, on four weeks' notice while being injured? That's entirely possible. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> just that could happen. Um, yeah, this wasn't bad overall, again. No one should have paid for this, though. It's uh, If we were going to retroactively name this card, it'd be something like Young Guns with an old Cuban on top. It would have been a really fun fight night. It would have been, have you know, it would have been, I would have celebrated as a fight night, Um, but I loathe it as a numbered pay-per-view event. Yeah, that was, again, 
telling me after the fact, they always pull this shit where like, you don't know how good the fights are going to be till the card's over. That's not how this works. I don't, you don't get to call me a name for not paying for something you failed to promote accurately, adequately. That's your fault. It's not my fault. Me not, me, like, I had to figure, our buddy Max was with us. He went out of his way to try to like, figure out who these motherfuckers were. You know, like, your your fight promoters promote the fucking fight. You know, I love uh, I love paying for like mystery boxes. Um, you know those things that maybe you'll pay five bucks and there's a chance there might be a really cool thing inside, but most likely it's gonna be a pack of gum. I'll pay maybe five bucks, but I don't want to pay fifty five or sixty five dollars every week for a mystery box especially when you what you're seeing from the outside of the box is that it looks kind of shitty and maybe it's a little moldy what you know, what, what is it at the box it just says brand like, new flavor you're like what the, i don't i don't want new flavor what is new flavor why are you gonna charge like, me money for something i don't know you're not gonna assume there's a rolex inside the mystery box if the mystery box at least this week is you know a honey nut cheerios box yeah, again, we watched a five-fight card, main card. I enjoyed all of it, but fuck you for trying to get people to pay money for that. Just saying. It's not how this works. Um, it's like saying, it's like a, a movie trailer comes out, but they don't show you anything of the movie. It's just like, hey, you never know. Yeah, that's insane. That's actually the model for the New York Lotto here. Hey, you never know. That's... <laughs> you never know. Yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> That's fuck it. Let's see what happens. Is it was taken? <laughs> I don't think they could get that one past the censors. It's New York City. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> um. All right. Um. Whoever made it so Bellator cards don't each have their own Wikipedia page needs to die a slow death. I'm just want to say that. Well, the Wikipedia pages, aren't those done by uh, peers? I don't think the company can make them, right? Yeah, I'm not saying it's Bellator fights. I'm saying the schmucks who are not letting Wikipedia, not letting Bellator have individual events for this stupid card of theirs. I probably shouldn't call it stupid. Ah, I'm trying to. All right. right, um, Did anything else fucking happen? Oh, they, they, Dana White was like, Dana White, they, they booked that fight with Cyborg, right? That shit happened. They saved a card. With uh, putting Cyborg against that lady who couldn't beat... Uh, Nina Kunitsaya or something? She, yeah, she couldn't beat Tanya Evinger. Not There's no shame in that. Tanya Evinger's an excellent fighter, but I just watched Cyborg turn Tanya Evinger into a punching bag. Um, hey, man, just keep giving her bodies, whatever. Yeah, Dana, oh, White was so, Dana White was so proud of himself like when he managed to say the lady's name. Somebody who he fucking wants people to pay money to see fight. I know it's Cyborg. All right. Yeah, man. You're, I know, you're, not I know pa- wa- you're not here to watch this Eastern European chick, man. You're here to watch Cyborg Wreck Shop. And you know what? In the grand scheme of things, the card isn't bad. You know, Edgar Edgar versus Ortega is going to be fun. Other shit's happening. I get it. But come on, man. Learn, uh, she's making her UFC debut, and I got to pay money for it. I mean, I'm making I'm making the argument is it, it was this versus the previous card as the worst main card ever. Uh, it, it's it's better, but it's still in oh. this. What are we paying for? 
I think they should just do what they did all the time with uh, with Ronda, you know, especially in her last two losses. Don't even show, like, don't even show the opponent. Just, uh, just advertise that Cyborg is a bad bitch, and that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's the entire thing you need. Um, at some point in this thing, Dana White and Tyron Woodley got into a pissing contest. Um, and Dana Woodley, Dana White said Tyron Woodley's full of shit. And then Tyron Woodley said, who is more known for being full of shit, me or Dana White? And people said, yeah, Dana White. Dana White's a liar. I think, I think specifically it was who's known more for uh, who's known more for the BS, TS or DW? Assumption. By the way, I'm messing that up. if you're uh, just putting this out there, if you are sending – if you guys are looking at our Twitter comments, Twitter messages where I shit on people uh, who are going against Tyron Woodley – and you're wondering why we're not engaging you in conversation is because we, I, I pretty much just mute anybody who takes the UFC's side in a fighter dispute at this point. Oh, wait. Pe- people are responding to us? Oh, man. I'm going I'm to pay more attention to when you tweet. I'll respond to them. Shit. Oh, it's just – it's um, we just lost Stefan. That's not a good sign. Um, it's – look, and people are like, Tara Woodley needs to defend or vacate. First of all – you can't write it. You can't write Fukin defender vacate when you're a Conor McGregor fan. I love Conor McGregor. Motherfuckers defended nothing. All right. Tyron Woodley fights all the number one contenders. Yeah. They made him fight a they made him fight a karate guy twice because they didn't like the outcome. They didn't think they thought he deserved another shot after the draw. Which fine. He won it. He beat him the second time. Then they made him fight a jujitsu specialist. Again, he fought the number one contenders. And then when we know they're negotiating with Nate Diaz, don't try to lie to me and say this shit's not being negotiated. Don't tell me you're trying to really book Tyron Woodley versus Rafael Dos Anjos. You don't want to give Rafael Dos Anjos that fight. The last time last time Rafael Dos Anjos fought for a belt, it was on Fight Pass on a Thursday. All right? Damn word, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's where he lost his belt. I remember texting with Stefan, holy shit, Eddie Alvarez just won the title. On a Thursday. All right? On a Thursday on Fight Pass. So again, you're very clearly negotiating with Nate Diaz. The last time you negotiated with Nate Diaz, you said one of your guys went off the reservation and started negotiating. You're negotiating with Nate Diaz. You want Nate Diaz to come back. You're fucking desperate. I get it. You want CM Punk to fight in Chicago. You're desperate. Don't fucking lie to me. You want Nate Diaz to fight, and Nate Diaz says, give me a title shot. And that's what they're trying to do. And Tyron Woodley blew up your spot and ruined your negotiating position. That's what happened. That's what happened. So, anybody taking the UFC's side in this, I need you to think about what you're doing. Like, let it swirl around in your fucking head. All right? The UFC's job is to try to convince Nate Diaz and Tyron Woodley to fight for the least amount of money possible. That's what's happening right now. None of this, oh, Woodley just fights number one contenders. Woodley fights all the number one contenders. The only guy fighting fighting more number one contenders than Woodley is uh, Demetrius Johnson. Man, I mean, I I don't see what the how, how hard this is. Man, look, give Nate 10, give Tyron 2, and we're good to go. I just want to say, Tyron Woodley knocked out Robbie Lawler. That's don't give a damn. To- no one's here to watch Tyron Woodley, all right? Mm-hmm. Tyron right. Woodley knows that. They no, you know what? No one's gonna watch Tyron Woodley fight if you book him against Damian Maya. Just nah. he's doesn't, you know, and like it's just it, it's fucking ridiculous. Just keep arguing with your champions and then complain why that we can't sell. Remember, uh, Steph? Do you remember when he shit on Demetrius Johnson and Amanda Nunes, and then was fucking shocked when nobody paid for the pay per views when he said 
you know, why would people want to watch Amanda Nunes fight? Why would people want to watch, you know, Demetrius Johnson fight these people? I just, I'm sorry, I'm just ranting. Yeah, I mean, what, what, what do you want me to say to that? He buries a lot of his champions, you know, as uh, everything with Dana is what have you done for me lately? You know, Look, he, how ironic is it that Cyborg is the one saving a pay-per-view card when look at her whole road to even be in the UFC? Look at the look at the things Dana used to say about her. Dana used to bury Cyborg all the time, and now she's the savior. That is irony. That is yeah. the grand irony in all this. Look, all right, and I always compare Dana with compare Dana White to Donald Trump, and what I'm comparing it to is just the blatant lies to the media, and being a blowhard. I'm not comparing the fact that one of them is a terrible human being, and the other one generally, he's done some nice things. Seems like a good person, in the you know the net of it. I'm not talking about the president being the good person, if that's not clear. President's a terrible person. It's a garbage human being. All right, but. He has no credibility anymore, Dana White. He has no none. There's no credibility. If he tells you something's not happening, just buy your tickets because it's happening. Nate's fighting Tyron. What, May is in Brazil, Chicago? Maybe in Chicago. There you go. Nate's fighting Tyron in Chicago. That's my guess. That's your main event. You can't convince me otherwise until I actually put a pay-per-view together where it says Woodley versus Dos Anjos. Anyway, let's pick this Bellator fight. What do you guys think? Sounds good. Uh, Mike, your microphone just failed us. Um, all right. Uh, Matt Mitrione, Roy Nelson. When did these guys fight? Like five years ago? Six years ago? Somebody tell me. They last fought in 2012. Um, 2012, Mitrione got knocked out with an uppercut and then an overhand right. Because it was the first uppercut Roy Nelson ever fucking threw. Um. Roy Nelson's old and hasn't looked good in a fight since then. Matt Mitrione's winning. Steph, what do you think? Um, same. I I don't pick Roy Nelson in this day and age. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, uh, Matt Mitrione is arguably the best heavyweight in Bellator. Uh, Mike, try to take a crack at whatever you did last time to fix your microphone. Just a heads up. Um, yeah, sorry, man. Uh, Mark uh, also picked Mitrione. We're all clean sweeping Mitrione. Do you say he's the best heavyweight in Bellator? Arguably the best heavyweight in Bellator. I mean, Chael P. Sonnen's out there, man. Just saying. Yeah, okay. Um, all right. Uh, you got the picks here, Mike? Uh, yeah. If you talk very slow so I can get a pen and paper. There's already an article on the website. It's going to be a clean sweep, Mike. You're good yeah, for now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just go write it. Just write. go to the website and start writing this stuff in. Um. All right. What else? Then uh, this we're only, we're only picking one fight. Even though I think Derek Campos versus uh, Pitbull brother would be a good fight. I enjoy. Um, I don't know if this is the good Pitbull brother actually. Which one's the better one, Patricio or Patricio? You guys know. I can't yeah, tell you the difference between the two. It's the they they're on Bellator a lot. There's two. Yeah. Of them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, either you know way, Pitbull, that should be. You know, Pitbull's fighting. You're in for a good. You're a good time. Yeah, he's either getting either the good pit bull is gonna get knock a guy out or the bad or the less good pit bull is gonna get knocked out. Good times ahead. All right. Um, and then uh, Liam McGeary. Man, remember when we thought Liam McGeary was gonna be something, and then he just complained about getting wrestle fucked, and then we realized, okay, you can't stop a takedown. That came and went real quick. I think we were there when he beat Tito, right, Steph? I mean, we like you. You say we thought he was gonna be something. I feel like you're over speaking it i felt like we thought he's gonna be something in hey 
He's a light heavyweight who isn't from the Pride era. Like, that's, that's new. That's different. <laughs> that's different. That's fair. Um, all right, let's pick some fights for this UFC card in Austin. Austin, again, an excellent goddamn city, and you should all visit. Get some good barbecue. Um, main event, Donald Cerrone versus Yancey Medeiros. I don't, what's the betting line on this one, guys? Uh, it's pretty close. Um, we have him at, where is it? Uh, Cerrone's a slight favorite at minus 160, plus 140 for Yancey. Um, almost a coin flip, not quite, but a slight edge to Donald. Um, Mark's picking our guy, picking uh, Yancey. Donald's lost three in a row. The last one was against another, like, youngish guy. I don't know, Steph. What do you, where are you leaning on this one? This is a tough one, in my opinion. Um, I have no problem with this one whatsoever. And maybe that means I'll be wrong, but I have no problem making this pick. Uh, I got Yancey. I tend to be the doomsayer on our podcast a lot, and especially when it comes to guys just kind of aging out. Um, I think we're seeing it for Donald. Uh and he also tends to fight to the level of his competition. No knock against Yancey, but like, I don't know how excited that gets Donald. You know? And what was that uh, like? like, remember the what? Darren Till fight when he again when he came out in his uh, Southern General Civil War coat, talking about not knowing him. Like, that's that's just my argument. Is if if Donald's not fighting a bigger name than his own, he tends to not really get that hype for it, and we don't see the best of him. And he's just got a lot of mileage on him, so. Um, yeah, yeah, I was I'm comfortably like Yancey here. I was kind of looking at it the way I was looking at like when we were, we were picking Mark Hunt's fight last week where I'm like, yeah, this is the type of fight he wins where I'm like, you gave him a young guy who may not be ready. Yancey's young, but he's not, you know, th- I mean, what is he? 20, he's 30. I man, team Hawaii. I got Yancey, man. Donald's got 42 fucking fights. That is so many fights. And that's kind of when, like, the wheels start coming off is around 40. Um, I'm going to take... Also, not that I dislike Donald Cerrone. I like... I Honestly, I would hope he keeps fighting. God bless him for fighting as exciting and as often as he does. But Yancey Medeiros has won a bunch of fights in a row, it looks like, right? He's like, he's won three in a row, four or five. I mean, I'm, I hope Yancey wins. It's nice to see some young, young uh, newer blood up there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Yancey also. Uh, Mike. We got three of us on Yancey. You gonna join Team Hawaii here, or are you gonna go with uh, the tried and true method of Donald of Donald Cerrone winning a fight night against uh, a little bit of a younger guy? <laughs> All right. Well, first, how is my microphone sounding? It was sounding good for a while. Now it sounds bad again. Well, okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, I'm gonna be joining Team Hawaii as well. You just fixed the microphone somehow. Go ahead. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna be joining Team Hawaii as well. Um. Donald, time waits for no man, and no how no matter how fleet of foot you are and how great your endurance is, you know the Grim Reaper will always win that race, and uh, I think we're seeing that with Donald. Um, we want to still think it's five years ago, but I think Donald, on some level, has checked out. His comments uh, before the Darren Hill fight, I think, were very indicative of that. Darren Till wasn't some scrub before he fought Donald Cerrone. And Donald Cerrone, very nonchalantly, was talking about I'd never heard of him before and I haven't prepared for him, which in hindsight was a very stupid thing to say and a very stupid strategy to have. And 
I mean, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I don't think his heart's completely in it now. Yeah, I don't. Um, I know so. he's part of a good team. Yeah, that's, that's one, the only small part. The only part of me that didn't just go automatically pick Donald was because of how good of a team he's with. But I mean, they're not stopping Father Time, so we're all yeah, going well, Donald Cerrone. We're all going uh, Yancey Baneros yeah, on this I mean, one. Then uh, there's one thing about you know the team thing. I mean, Leonard Garcia was part of Jackson Wink as well, so. That's true. Um, co-main event, Derek Lewis, Marcin Tybura. Uh, we last saw Derek Lewis. I don't even remember. Did he get knocked out by Mark Hunt, or did he win something after that? He got knocked out by Mark Hunt. He did. Before that, he was on a six-foot winning streak. Um, that was a fun fight, him and Mark Hunt. It was a really good time. I mean, not for their brain cells, but for my own entertainment. Um, Marcin Tybura. Is he the one who lost to Verdum? Yeah, he is. Um, swanging and banging Derek Lewis. That's what I got. Stefan? Um, this is the one that actually gives me a little bit of trouble. Um, it's I, I, I think I'm being manipulated by seeing Tybora as the favorite as well. Um, I'm actually going to take Tybora. I, I was leaning Derek Lewis, um, but, you know, uh, for the record, uh, our man DJ Mark is picking Derek Lewis in this, so this will be probably be the only fight we differentiate. Um, we'll either be tied or he'll make a little bit more distance. Because um, what I like about Tybora when I look at his record is he, he's the type of guy, he doesn't win that impressively. He's not really great at anything, but he has an ability to go the distance with guys that I don't think he should. And that's worth something. You know, um, Derek Lewis could turn his lights off any second, but if he hangs around, Derek is the type of guy who will get tired, and the longer the match goes, the less dangerous he is. So... I got Tybor to give me a heart attack early, but somehow eke out a ugly ass decision that makes Derek Lewis really mad at everyone. Yeah, I'll have to uh, I have to go the opposite way on that one. Uh, I don't think Derek Lewis will ever be a champion or ever I think be a contender for a champion. Whereas in he's fighting for the belt, but I think for someone to beat Derek Lewis, they have to have an exceptional skill, such as uh, they have to be a great striker a la Mark Hunt, or they have to be someone who has a great wrestling pedigree and can get it to the ground because we haven't really seen what Derek Lewis can do there. Or someone who just has a phenomenal gas tank because the man gets pretty pretty tired after a round. Uh, Tybor, I think, is okay to good in a lot of areas. But I think this is the type of fighter that Derek Lewis can just overpower. Uh, Mike, take another crack at trying to fix your microphone. It's gone a little wonky. Well, did you hear any of that hotness, though? No, I heard it. It's just, you know, it sounds like you're saying it with marbles in your mouth also. All right. Um, so I think we went 3-1 on that one, right? If I'm not mistaken. Only, yep. uh, Steph, you went with Marcin Tybora. That is correct. I'm going to feel um, bad about it in a minute, but whatever. I am this one. I imagine we're all going to be on one side. James Vick, Francisco Trinaldo. I'm assuming James Vick's a pretty decent favorite. He is. Uh, what is he looking at? Um, minus two ten, two to one. Yeah, I think uh, people are sleeping on this man. He's got one loss. It's to Benil Dariush. Uh, he got knocked out about two years ago. James Vick is really good, man. Really, really good. Um, he's twelve and one. He knocked out Joe Duffy in his last fight. He finishes pretty much everybody. 
Um, yeah, I, I think he's going to win. I don't think it's going to be close. Francisco Trinaldo is 100 years old. Um, I think Mike Mark's got the same pick also. Uh, well, Mike, you want to go? Yeah, so according to James Vick, he is the most ducked and dodged uh, lightweight in uh, in the UFC. According to him, no one wants to fight him. And if you base it on his record, which he is wants to talk about very often in any interviews, there there might be some credence to that. And he hasn't squeaked by many of these victories. A lot of the victories he's done them in a pretty dominating or very very good fashion. So. I'm not going to bet against him because he may get angry at me. Yeah, that's that's a fair assessment. Um, um, Stefan. Yeah, clean sweep. Um, the best thing I've ever said about Trinaldo is he's a young man's uh, Gleason Tebow. So, man, Tebow ca- came back and just got smoked. Um. By the way, uh, so that's it. Uh, there's uh, Sage Northcutt's on this card also. And Stefan, the thing that intrigued you and me is that Tiago Alves, who's about as tall as you and me, maybe five you. Foot seven. Like, yeah, I'm five, five and a half, five, six. Uh, Tiago Alves is going to face a man who's six foot two, right? Six foot three. So that's a big, that, big welterweight. This fight's going to look funny. And uh, are we picking it? No, but his nickname is Courteous Curtis Milner. Uh, for the record, I'm, I am going to say I got the six foot three guy here. I just can't. Yeah. See. I mean, because Tiago Alves is five seven with T Rex arms, so that's going to be a weird night for him. Okay, so look, man. What you're you... saying is that he can employ strategy where he just holds out his arm and grabs his head, and then the guy just can't swing and hit him. Yes. Connection. No, I hear you. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's it. Uh, there's a Sage Northcutt's on there also. Um, we'll see what he gets done. This a fun thing about this card. If you look at the poster, uh, Donald Cerrone's got an American flag. Derek Lewis has an American flag. Uh, Tar- Marcin Tabora, no flag. And Yancy Medeiros, no flag. Yancy Medeiros, though, also from America. Yeah, but he sounds foreign. Yeah, he's Hawaiian. Yeah. That doesn't count. President doesn't count Hawaii. Sorry. Hawaii is a real place anyway. Um, before we do Memoirs of a Fight Fan, which uh, Steph... Oh, no, it was a Mike. It was your idea, right? Which was the uh, gnarliest... Um, or like, what is it? The, the the worst MMA injury we saw? Or pretty much uh, just start naming... As I put it, the MMA injury that gave you the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, okay. Um, I just want to make a comment on what I said last week where I was really harsh on Ali Abdelaziz. And I'm always really harsh on Ali Abdelaziz. And it's not just because he comes off as a scumbag manager all the time. Um, just This is from uh, Kareem Zidane, who's a, a really good uh, mixed martial arts journalist covering a lot of the shady shit happening in, uh, you know, uh, I guess East Asia, former Soviet Union. And he said, Ali, Ali, speaking of Ali Abdelaziz, manages all six of the fighters affiliated to Ramzan, Ramzan Kadyrov through a Dagestani manager named Rizvan Magomedov. He also linked Khabib and Edgar to Bahrain Sheiks. So basically, Ali is basically the middleman between the UFC and authoritarian rulers in Chechnya and the Middle East. So when, I, so when we shit on Ali Abdelaziz more than any other managers, just know is that it's because of that. It's not just because my Middle Eastern bullshit detector is going off like crazy at this dude talking shit. 
just felt that was worth mentioning. Um, all right, Mike, this is your category. This is your topic, Memoirs of a Fight Fan. All right, so I guess I should be the one to start it off. Lead it off, brother. What do you got? So for me, the one that, you know, had me just retching a little or just, you know, made my whole body uh, sh- shudder was uh, I think it may have been a fight night or or, or Fox card where uh, Phil was still living in Greenpoint. And uh, I went to the to the bar right across from where he Phil uh, is a lived. friend of ours, by the way. Uh, oh, that's a uh, good bar. Me and Stefan, I've been to that bar. <laughs> Red Star. Yeah, that was the best fucking place. <laughs> and and also, Bobby, I think at this point we've mentioned Phil enough times. We don't need to say that he's a friend. We might have new listeners, fuckhead. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. I forget. No, the that. numbers don't suggest. The numbers don't suggest they're going up. Go ahead. <laughs> well, anyway. So I remember we were watching, I think the main event was Frank Mir versus Noguera. And no and uh, Frank Mir slapped a goddamn Kimura on uh, on Noguera. No, not Kimura, an arm bar. It was a Kimura. Arm- was, it a, was it a Kimura? It was a Kimura, yeah. All right. Well, he slapped the Kimura on Noguera. And Noguera, in pure Brazilian fashion, didn't think it was prudent to tap. And all you see is the pop of Noguera's forearm when his uh when his arm just snapped. And what does uh what does Fox want to do? They replay that shit over and over and over and over this again. This was uh UFC one forty. It was a paper. Damn, game. look damn, look at you. How do you know that up right off the bat? Because that that is I was gonna say that one also. That one was also that's a memorable card because uh John Jones got Machida in a standing guillotine and just let him crumble to the floor when he was when he passed out. <laughs> Amazingly, that one stuck out. <laughs> that's what I remember about that card. I don't even I don't even remember the John Jones fight. Like you mentioned it, I remember it now, but what I remembered was that sickening injury. Yeah, that I was gonna say how many Frank Mir fights are gonna come up here. You said that one. I was gonna say, I mean I didn't watch Frank Mir break Tim Sylvia's arm live, so that's not fair. Um, I'll tell you one that sticks out, I think Stefan remembers this too, is that when Uriah Hall faced, I think, Tiago Santos, and he broke his toe and the bone was protruding from the skin, and we were at the arena, and we had money on the fight. So we just kind of kept yelling for them not to stop the fight because we had money on... Uh, Uriah I mean, Hall. Uriah Hall's cornerman famously could be heard on a mic saying he came in like that. It looked like that yeah. at the start of the fight. Yeah, that was that that one. Um, that was one that I was just like, "Holy shit, that's just gross." And also, when Ronda made Misha's arm just go in every direction, Oof. the first time she made her tap, she was just swinging it around every direction. It was like, "I'm like, well, that shit's dislocated. We can stop this whenever we want." That was pretty gross. Um. Steph, what do you got? I'm <laughs> um, surprised neither of you mentioned it because uh, in terms of in an MMA match, I, I feel like the winner, it's, it's distinct. It's in its own league. That's Anderson Silva's leg break on Chris Weidman's leg check because um, mm-hmm. that thing was floppy. That thing was Psycho Sid pro wrestling. Like oh, it's dangling by the that was pretty bad. of the skin and it's wiggling. And it's, it's not even just the break. It's... It's the picture in my head of Anderson Silva screaming in pain. I remember yeah. seeing footage of him in the back on the stretcher, still screaming and howling in pain. And that yeah. that's the haunting. That that is that is that painful angst 
that that that's the chilling part to me. You know, uh, what Mike about gives um, me the heebie-jeebies? That's the sound I remember. It's just Anderson in unbearable pain, and I juxtapose that against when um, about like several months to a yearish later, I believe it was a kickboxing match where Tyrone Spong broke his leg on a leg kick. Yep, and he I remember was that. The calmest man on earth. He like sat down, pointed at his shin, and he's like, "I think my leg is broken." Like not well, a I mean, ounce of emotion. That one, that one didn't dangle as much, and I remember that was good also because uh, our boy. Um, I forgot how I said our boy. The fucking kickboxer we love. Stefan, help me out. That's very vague. <laughs> the the bald motherfucker. The one who uh, Gokensaki. Gokensaki was the one fighting fighting him. And Gokensaki was like holding him, like cradling him while the doctors were trying to come in. I remember. They're like, hey man, are you okay? Like that one's stuck out. Um you also met you mentioned Anderson Silva staff. Um that happened to Corey Hill too, right? That was the other, the first guy that happened with. Yeah, that was a floppy yeah. legged. You see him like try to step back on it, and yeah, it just completely crumbles. Um, not an MMA fight, but if we're gonna talk about MMA and the heebie-jeebies, I always got to give a shout out. I was waiting for it. Uh, Here it is. <laughs> it's not, it's not an MMA match related, but it is MMA training related. Um, one time I made the mistake of looking at a list called. The 10 worst staff infections in MMA history. Oh, I don't want to um, see that. Shout one, out to Middle Easy uh, for giving Stefan nightmares. Curious <laughs> what Kevin Randleman's heart looked like, um, and you would like to see it from his armpit. That was gnarly. It's like someone bore a hole from his armpit to his like bone and heart. Like, yeah, uh, that was horrible. If, if you, you if you're here, glutton for punishment, go ahead and look up these images. Um, if you are squeamish, these are not for the faint of heart. I to this day, Dude, I always wonder that time I was curious about Steph infections and like why? What did I gain from that? Just <laughs> horrific images that are Dude, honestly, in my mind. Whenever people tell me they like tr like to train jujitsu and stuff, it seems like the one to train out of all the you know the all the you know disciplines, just because you don't get hit in the head and stuff. But that that had an impact on me, Stefan. Where I'm just like, I'm not sure I could get clean enough. I don't, I don't trust the situation enough to, you know, to just roll around on some dirty mat. Kevin Randleman almost died, man. That was, uh, that was fucking terrible. I mean, I um, know it's not a, I know it's not jujitsu, but I know anytime I go to the gym, like I have a membership for Planet Fitness, and anytime I'm gonna use anything at the gym, I'm talking about right. anything. Wipe that motherfucker down I big time. Douse that motherfucker in that solution that they have there. Every time. Dude, dude I got sometimes like, yeah. for good measure. I'll spray my hands. Oh, I I put two. I put hand sanitizer on twice before I even get on anything. I'm like, I'm just. I got it twice. I'm ready. Yeah, uh, that was the Kevin Randleman one. Stefan, that one. Yeah, that was. Whew, that was rough. Um. All right. Um. Are we doing stuff we like and we're done? Yeah. yeah, we're trying to get it prompt. We're trying to cut it down, uh, make it a more tight show for you listening folks. Yeah, we're trying to keep this motherfucker shorter than usual. Um, I, I don't know what I did. Someone else start. Uh, who's got something? Um, yeah, I've mentioned it before. Um, I love uh, this game called Overwatch. And they, you know, this uh, past couple months, they started a new pro league. Um, we just completed stage one. Um, I believe it's going to be four stages in the first season. They had a three-team playoff. Um, and the inaugural winner of the first stage in the Overwatch League are the London Spitfire, which are coincidentally a team of all Korean players. So uh, the London Korean team uh, took down the New York Excelsior, who is also a all Korean team. 
But uh, we did have in the playoffs, we had uh, the Houston Outlaws, which is a mixed team of American and European players. So it's not all Koreans in this league. Um, but they took the bronze in stage one. Um, I thought it, it's off to a great start. Um, it's, from my understanding, it's done really great numbers on Twitch and streaming. Um, it, it, it's such, it's such a, it's a headline that's such a, it's, it's not clickbaity, but it's one of those things where if you know anything about media, you, you can understand how they're manipulating the numbers. Basically, the Overwatch League streaming matched the Super Bowl streaming specifically specifically the streaming of the Super Bowl on one specific service. So uh, I think that equated to being like roughly about like 700,000 to like a million viewers. Um, but for, hey, for a brand new eSport league, for a game that's only been out about two years, um, that's pretty damn good. So um, congratulations to London Spitfire. Unfortunately, our local team, the San Francisco Shock, are probably the second worst team in the league. But hey... We know about supporting a lovable loser in this town, so uh, go shock. Uh, I have a few questions. Uh, the London Spitfire, you say, and the that New York correct. Excelsior, full of Koreans. Are these Korean Americans or no? These are straight Koreans, Korean, Korean from Seoul, from Busan. Um, if you know anything about the East e e League world, uh, South Koreans they run that. South Koreans are too competitive. Video game apparently in the United people. States. Apparently, London and New York is just full of Koreans. I mean, I mean, it's not national teams; they're ah, privately owned okay. teams. Um, the Kraft Group, uh, Bob Kraft of the New England Patriots, they own the Boston Uprising. Um, there's, an, I, I'm, I'm, I knew some of the other ownerships groups, but um, yeah, no, it's 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 working like a league where there are free agent signings. Uh, you technically can trade, even though there haven't been any. Like players are under contracts. Um, there's a kid for the who's going to be on the San Francisco team um, named Jay Wan. His gamer name is Sinatra. Uh, he wasn't able to play in stage one because he didn't turn 18 yet, but he made news a couple months ago because he was given a contract for $150,000 a year. So that was one of those things. Hey, all you parents who said there's no money in video games. Um, yes, there is. Uh, a kid is about to make like triple the best salary I ever made playing overwatch in a year so um yeah e-gaming e is it's it's a new industry I, I can't tell you it's here to stay but it definitely has arrived um it is a real industry and there is real money behind it uh mike you got anything this week i do um this three-part documentary on netflix called the dark charisma of adolf hitler <laughs> okay this should be interesting. Go ahead. No, I'm just going to let that title work for it. That's all I'm going to say on it. Okay. Fair enough. It's good or is it just interesting? Like it's just, oh, you know. no, it's it's great, man. Um, it's, it's always nice to learn more about one of the most evil men in history. Like how he got this way, for example. Yeah. Well, I guess I will say a little bit about it. Um, when they say the dark charisma of Adolf Hitler, they talk about that one reason why Hitler was able to rise to power so well in Germany is because it's not that he had some divine power of persuasion over them. It's that he was speaking a lot of the things the people in Germany at that time were thinking. You know, they mentioned that charisma is a subjective thing. If to be charismatic, you have to 
say the things the person or so people want, to, want to hear. Reiterating my deep appreciation. So that was Brown, one reason why Adolf Hitler was able to get so much of the populace under him and get so many people to follow him. Uh, it's a three-part series. Um, I think it's going to go another season. I'm not sure. But it was a very interesting watch. I actually uh, spoke about it with uh, a coworker of mine at, at my job who actually grew up in uh, East Germany. And, um, you know, like he was uh, telling me about it, you know, as I was watching it and telling me just a lot of things about uh, German history and a lot of different things. And, you know, he, I already knew a lot about World War II, but it's always nice to learn more and especially get a more in-depth view on um, such a, such an important figure in 20th century history. So Dark Charisma of Adolf Hitler. Give it a watch. Right on. Um, I just got two notes uh, real quickly. Not um, First off, um, I'm going to need people to stop telling me that Kim Jong-un's sister is draw, is stealing attention from everybody at the Olympics and she's how great she is and shit. Motherfuckers get it together. Her family, you know, runs goddamn prison camps. All right? Let's not fawn over the pretty Asian lady. Okay? She ain't even that, she ain't even that pretty. Thank you. All right? Let's just come on. Another one. Um, I'm going to give you guys, and Mike's here also. He can vouch for this also. I am here. Yeah. So um, the attorney general went out there today and said um, that the off. he was talking to... Um, to sheriffs, to law enforcement officials, and he said the office of sheriff is a critical part of the Anglo-American hitter heritage of law enforcement. Wait a second. Now, no, okay. Wait. He said ang what he meant, what what he what the argument he was making, he says, is that he was talking about uh, common law, which is the basis for American law came from. Com Look, Mike and I went to law school. We understand that point. That being said. Don't kid yourself, it's Jeff Sessions. That was a motherfucking dog whistle to racists. Okay? Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. He didn't have to say that. He knew what he was saying. This is Jeff Sessions, who was not okay, who was fine with the KKK when he was younger until he found out they smoke weed. Mike, you got any, you, you, you want to disagree with me here? Or do you think that was pretty clearly uh, a dog whistle? No, I'm not going to disagree with you because also that's such a weird way to make a connection between our common law system and sheriffs. Yeah, he also that wasn't in the speech. He went rogue in the on from the written copy. He did that on purpose. That was a dog whistle. You guys know what a dog whistle is, I'm assuming. That was a dog whistle to racists. Okay? That was the attorney general dog whistle to racists about how great it is. You know, and I think dudes. even to people that went to law school, you hear that sentence. You're not gonna, you're not gonna automatically think. Oh, well, obviously, he's talking about the common law system that we brought over. Yeah, he could have said fuck it. He could have said fucking common law. He could have said it's yeah, not he that. He could have just said common law, which yeah. even even that our lawyer is gonna get that. No one else is gonna get that either. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I guarantee you, ninety-five to ninety-nine percent of the population does not know that forty-nine of the states operate under common law, and one state operates under civil law. What's that they, one state, they Bobby? 
they operate under the Napoleonic Code, baby. <laughs> Louisiana, yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you go. You want to be a lawyer? You go to Louisiana. Your whole fucking your shit is upside down. <laughs> I just want to point that out. You, but, better, if you want to be a lawyer, in Louisiana, you better go to law school, in Louisiana. That's all I'm getting at. But anyway, yeah, I just wanted to say, like, don't like you aren't okay. You're not an idiot for thinking the motherfucker said some questionable shit in there. We again, we're educated in the matter. I'm telling you, he didn't need to say it like that. He went out of his way to say it like that. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out. It also doesn't help that I think in most sheriff's offices around the United States, it likely is very highly and heavily predominantly white. So maybe don't use the word Anglo. Because that's well, okay, no. even worse. Well, well, somebody pulled up like something like one time the Obama administration made reference to it, but the Obama administration literally followed up the words like Anglo American common law. Like they put the fucking words in there. Anyway, I just wanted to put that out there because I read that earlier. I'm like, you don't just get to say that shit and be a horrible racist. Um, side note, um, I watched Grace and Frankie season four, it was delightful. Shit, that's a real uh, side note. Yeah, uh, Grace and Frankie is a uh, it's a solid show. It's just, you're, w- nobody listening to this podcast is the target audience of Grace and Frankie. If I'm being straight with you, none of you are. I'm not. Nobody is. It's Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin and Martin Sheen and Sam Watterson. Average age of the cast is about 152 years old. Okay, uh, Lily Tomlin plays Martin Sheen's ex-husband, right? No, she plays uh, Sam Watterson's. Oh, okay. Ex 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 uh, wife. Because I'm actually. I thought, I, I, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say that I'm rewatching uh, the West Wing, and I realized that Mrs. Fitterer is Lily Tomlin. Yeah. And I thought, oh shit, they're on a show together now. How far into the West Wing are you? Uh, I'm up to the episode. Uh, I think the episode right before um, they realized that Sam should run on in the 47th district. Okay, the first four seasons of The West Wing are excellent. Yeah. And then it gets yeah. real questionable. Yeah, That's just does. a pro tip for everybody. It's not Dexter bad. Afterwards, it's still an okay show. It goes from like an A to a B. So, anyway, I've been babbling for a while. Um, Stefan, do you want to call out any political parties while you're at it or call anybody shitty? Or have I done that enough for everybody involved? <laughs> Everyone's shitty, but um, Olympics are pretty fun. Yeah. Doing By the well. way. Mirai Nagasu, you- a great redemption story so far. Um, Chloe Kim is bringing it in on the uh, home front of the snowboarding thing. Got some nice Olympic I heroes. Uh, I will just say uh, my only rant I will give about uh, the Olympics is I got into uh, I was watching as uh, Mark and I call it the uh, James Bond villain biathlon where you, you cross country ski, you fire mm-hmm. your rifle, you go ski some more, and then you fire more <laughs> rifles. Like I don't know what you're training for besides uh, hunting James Bond down those alpine slopes. That is the whole thing. Um, yeah, that's what you're training for. That's a weird sport. <laughs> There's like five Bond movies that started exactly like that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's I like that. It's almost like they're like, we got to get rid of some sports. And one guy's like, I know. Let's just combine two of the motherfuckers. Let's just do it. Yeah, we'll say a big, big ups to Mirai Nakasu for hitting the first triple axel in uh, the Olympics for uh, for the for the American ladies. Is the kid's name who got into it with the vice president? Is that name? Is it Ripon? Ripon? That guy? The figure skater, is that his name? I think so. I yeah, that guy was awesome. I like him. Not just because he shit on the vice president, but he was great. Is, and you're, by the way, is it just me, or do you guys feel that if there is an X game event, 
for an Olympic sport, America better win that shit. Like, like we, we better win all the snowboarding. We should, we yeah. should own snowboarding, but uh, Canada is very competitive, and that makes sense. I'm just saying, we better not lose to, like, Japan or some shit like that and that stuff, okay? Come on hey, now. All these other countries, they have places with snow as well, you know. We made the X Games, man. We got... Come on. Japan <laughs> right? is actually a wrong one to mention, Bobby, as Japan Japanese uh, athletes are frequent members of the X Games. Yeah. We're getting wrecked by Norway, by the way. I was looking at the medal count earlier. What's going on here, guys? This is their time to shine, Bobby. It makes mm. sense. Man, people I, people don't care about the Winter Olympics like one-tenth as much as the Summer Olympics. Well, duh. They should send wrestling to the Summer Olympics. At least maybe like we could save the fucking sport. Just saying. All right, guys. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. DJ Mark will be back, God willing. Um, there is a card, if I'm not mistaken, right? There's something that's uh, it's not terrible. I want to. It's the one. Yeah, it's the fight. It's actual Fox card. I think it's on actual Fox with Josh Emmett, Jeremy Stevens. Which you're like, why is Josh Emmett main eventing a pay per view? Well, the guy's number four in the world. So, uh, Jessica and Josh, you knock a- people out. That's just how it works nowadays. Yes, yeah, man, I just worked. You all remember it on Saturday. Uh-oh. Uh, Jessica and Tisa Torres. Um, why? Oh, uh oh. Well, just uh, this Justin, well, probably not Justin, but I'm just seeing it on Yahoo now. But the first guy has pissed hot at the Olympics. And it wasn't one of ours. It wasn't a Russian. And it wasn't one of ours. Sadly, it was one of the ones from the land of the rising sun. A Japanese dude. Speed Um, skater. This is, by the way, this is not bad. Like. A lot of this card, quite frankly. OSP, Ilar Latifi's okay. Mike Perry against some guy. Henan Barrow's on this card against Brian Kelleher. Sarah McMahon, Marion Renault. Angela Hill, Marina Morose. Ben Saunders, Alan Juban. Gilbert Buerns versus Olivier Aubin Mercier. Yeah, we got a couple weeks. We got plenty of time for it to get bad. Yeah, yeah. that's 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 that that's coming up. That's there's one coming up on Fight Pass, which I'm like, I'm not paying for Fight Pass just for Here it is. Fucking um, Verdum versus Alexander Volkov. Fuck you. All right? Fuck you. Not paying for that. Um, all right, guys. Uh, as I mentioned, back next week. Mark will be back. Thank you all for listening as usual. Um, let's just ride this out, folks. MMA will get good again eventually. This law of large numbers says eventually they make the good people fight each other. Um, and uh, peace out. See ya.